this morning, I want to talk to you about the fact that God shows up, that God wants to be part of the normal, of the everyday, of average people, nothing special, regular, people who lose their power, right? Most of us here, people who have to lift heavy snow, (laughs) people who get stuck plowing it, people who figure out how to make the day work when everything that's normal disappeared, people who get up every day, put their clothes on, go to work, struggle through work. Cry out to God in the middle of it. Cry out to God in the middle of their life because it doesn't make sense. Deal with the pain of relationships that went south. Family members who got sick. The unexpected of life. The events that you didn't plan for the ones that didn't happen that you did plan for, the disappointments, the discouragements, the unknown, the everyday. Elizabeth and Zachariah are no different than us. They just lived every day. And often we take biblical characters and we say, oh, they must have been amazing, but they weren't. They were just people living life. And this morning I want to show you what it looks like when two people live life, but they live it according to God's plan. And what God does in the middle of that. And their life doesn't become exceptional and it doesn't become some big story with music behind it that everybody wants to be part of. It's just life. But it's life lived differently. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Would you bow with me before we open the word of God? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have once again to open your word and to look at what it says about life, what it says about how much you love us and how much you desire for a relationship with us. Thank you for the lengths that you chose to go to to restore our relationship with you. Thank you that you continue to show that love and mercy and grace to us each and every day, even though we, we don't deserve it. And often the way we live our lives, we don't even acknowledge it. And yet, you, keep, you continue to, to provide. You continue to encourage us to keep going. So thank you. Help us in the next few moments to see a picture once again of your incredible love for us and your willingness to reach into our lives and to meet our needs. 
as you did for this couple that we're going to chat about this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture this morning because I want you to catch a picture of this entire story that we just kind of saw a brief uh, view of with the, with the uh, skit that you saw or the monologue that you saw of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a cousin to Mary. And I want to talk to you a little bit from her perspective of what she saw and how the events changed her life, but also how they change ours because her story is a lot like ours. And often we don't see it that way. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke 1. We're going to start reading at verse 5. In the days of Herod, King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. And when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. Now we need to stop here for a minute because I need you to understand something. These two people were just living life. Zechariah was a priest. Uh, he was born into the priesthood. And Elizabeth, I mean, Elizabeth was his wife. And they both had duties. And they were performing those duties and it says this, that they were living without blame, they were trying to please God, and they were following the commands of God. They were doing what they knew was right, and they were taking their responsibilities before God seriously, and they were living to the best of their ability to please God. That's the explanation that we get at the beginning of this. There's no like, wow, look at these two people, they're special, they've been special from birth. There's no explanation that their family was anything other than the fact that they talk about the line that they came from and they were both Jewish and they were born Jewish and the tribe that they came from for Zechariah was a priestly tribe and he had become a priest and he was with all the other priests. It says that when his division was up, his priests, they took turns. They didn't all, they weren't on every week. They took turns and they would go into the altar to make uh, intercession for the people. And he was on. It was his turn to do that. It was his turn to go before God, before the altar. And, and you're going to find out in a minute as we read that the people were outside the curtain praying as well uh, because of their sin, like they always did. And Zechariah was the guy who was going to go behind the curtain where only one priest was allowed to go to make intercession, to burn incense for the people. And so they were doing their job. They were living their life kind of like you and I. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ here this morning, we get up every day, right? And we, to the best of our abilities, we look at the word of God. We study the word of God and we read the word of God, and we, we go, okay, God, how can I live for you? What can I do that would bring honor to your name? How can I worship you? How can I lead my family before you on a regular basis? What is it that I could do today to live a life that's pleasing to you? 
How can I put all of the stuff that I have in my life before you and honor you with it? And really, Zechariah was doing that for himself when he went into the altar because he also had to have a cleansed heart before God. And he's doing it for other people. He's standing before God for the, for the nation of Israel, the people that he represents. And you do that for your family. You do that for the, the folks that you're close to, right? You, you come before God with, with their needs and their desires and, and the hurts that they have on their heart. And you bring those before God and you, you ask God to show up in their life and to be an encouragement to them and to help them out. Their lives are similar to ours. And I love the fact that, that the writer here says this, that, that they had lived righteous lives. They had done their best to honor God throughout their life. Now, they're human, and so we know in their humanity that they also were sinful by nature, and they struggled with things. And I'm sure when we find out immediately in this passage that they couldn't have children, and I, they wanted to have children, and I'm sure that there was some doubt there and there was some wondering why God hadn't blessed them with children. And the same thing that happens in our lives where we face difficult situations and we ask God, why? Why does this happen to me? Why, why are these difficulties in my life? Why do I have to walk through these things? And, and, and God's not surprised by our why. He wasn't surprised by their why either because he says that they lived well and they lived righteous before God. Just normal, everyday people doing their best to live for God and to follow his commands and be a righteous person before God. That's who they were. That's you and I. Or it can be you and I. I don't know the choices that you've made, but that can be you and I. A desire to live for God. Well, it keeps going in verse 10. We're going to read this next. Follow with me. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers and their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered him, I love this, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen. You will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. 
Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary, and he was making signs to them and, re- and remained speechless. And when the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Zechariah did what he always did. He went into the presence of God to offer incense, to pray for the sins of the people, to talk to God about the needs of the people. He did what he always did. And while he was there, while he was doing what he does all the time for the people, an angel appeared. Now, if you remember last week, Pastor Mike shared with us that the angel that appeared was not the little cherubs, the naked babies that fly around that we see. Remember, that's what he said. They, with a bow and arrow, and they shoot arrows at people to make them love out of the people. That is not what we're talking about. I don't even know where that picture of an angel ever came from or who came up with it. But scripture shows angels as mighty beings. And often they don't necessarily look like people. And this angel appears and stands to the side and Zechariah notices his presence. This mighty being has, has come into his presence with a message for him. And I too, like I would be just like Zechariah and you would as well, as much as we, we would love to think that if an angel showed up, we'd be like, oh wow, look at angel. We'd be scared to death. Because they come from the very person of God. They are sent from God himself. And there's a holiness and a righteousness about an angel when they appear that we would not have experienced ever. And Zechariah had not experienced that. And so this angel shows up and he says, I have a message for you. I have something to tell you. And Zechariah is afraid. And so the angel comes with this message and he says, look, I know you're old and I know your wife is old, but God has a special, he has a special plan for you and there's a miracle that's going to take place and your wife is going to have a son and you're going to name him John. And that's important, by the way, because that is not in the line of Zechariah that his name would be called John. And that's not how families worked in those days. This is going to be out of sorts. This is not going to be normal. And people are not going to understand what's about to happen. And we need to stop here for a minute because, folks, in our everyday activities, if we're reading the Word of God and we're listening to the voice of God in our life, in our everyday, God wants to speak to you and I. Now, it may not be, and it probably will not be, that an angel from God comes to speak to us. That's probably not what's going to happen. If it, if it does, I want to know about it. But it's probably not what, what's going to happen because God's word, he tells us this, that God's word is alive. God's word is living. It's the living word of God. And God, on a daily basis, wants to speak to you and to I from his word. And in our everyday, God wants to say something to us. 
And like Zechariah, who went about his everyday honoring God, remember we said he was normal, they were normal people, trying to live righteously with God, and he was going about his everyday, he was doing what he was supposed to do, he was being found faithful in the work that was put before him, God speaks. Has God spoken to you? I was thinking about that as I was studying this, and I realized how often the word of God that I've hidden in my heart, that I've memorized. How often throughout the day, God brings phrases of the word of God to my mind. As I'm doing things and I'm struggling through life like you do, as I face events that I'm not sure about or I'm having a conversation with someone that I'm not sure about, or I'm going into a situation where I want to be gracious and I want to help somebody, or I want, to, I want to be a person of encouragement to someone and I don't feel like it. I don't know if you've ever been there where you don't feel like being an encouragement to someone at the time, but you really know that's what you should be. God brings his word that I've memorized into my heart, in my life, and into my mind. And he says, Tim, let me renew you with this. Let me give you the strength to do this. That's the word of God. That's God speaking to us. And God wants to do that in our everyday. And Zechariah is before the altar and there's a presence, there's an angel there. And he says, look, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I have a message for you. I have something special. And you're going to have a son and your wife is going to bear a son. And his name is going to be John. And he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he's going to prepare people, the Jewish people, for the coming of the Savior. They're a long way from knowing the Savior. They're a long way from hearing about the Savior. They're living lives that aren't pointing them toward the Savior. But your son is going to speak up and he's going to say all kinds of things that's going to take unrighteous people, unbelieving people, and he's going to change their heart and their mind by his words. And he's going to point them toward the Savior. That's his job. That's who your son's going to be. And by the way, God wants to use the word of God in your heart to point people toward the Savior. That's what he wants to do. He, by his spirit, wants to awaken the word of God in your heart and your life. And he wants to use that word of God to go, here's Jesus. Here's the savior of the world. The name John is important. And John would never be controlled by wine or beer. You ever wonder why that little phrase, he'll never drink wine or beer, is in there? The reason is, is because wine or beer controls us. It's a substance that has the ability to take our spirit and our life and control it. And John is not going to be controlled by anything else but the Spirit of God. That's what he says. He won't be controlled by wine or beer. He'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit himself. Zachariah's response is probably not that much different than yours or mine. This isn't logical. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. We're old in years and natural childbirth shouldn't happen. And remember the phrase? Gabriel says, hey, I am Gabriel and I'm coming from the very presence of God. So if you've got a problem with this, you're taking it up with the wrong guy. Really, this is your question? I just came from God. And because of his doubt, because of his questioning, 
God says, look, you'll be unable to speak until the child is born. And as he walks out, everybody that's waiting for him to come out says something's up. There's something different going on here. Hey, by the way, when you and I are in the presence of God and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and we allow the word of God to change who we are, when we come out of the presence of God and we walk with our family and with the people we live life with and the people that we work with and our extended families and the people that we run into and the people that we bump shoulders with, guess what they're going to say? Something's different. There's something different about this person. And running into the presence of God and then meeting people, people are waiting for something different. And when we meet God, we have something different to give. Being in the presence of the Holy One makes us different. Elizabeth's response was this. This was God. He found favor on me. And really, that should be our response instead of, of missing who God is. But I want, you to, I want you to see something else in this passage. It says this. Don't miss this. The miracle of John's birth, it was a grand miracle, and it was something that was going to be amazing, and it was going to point everybody toward the Savior. But don't miss the fact that it was also an individual miracle. It was the prayer of Elizabeth and, and, and Zachariah to have a baby of their own. And God was doing something on a grand scale. He's getting ready to send the Messiah, the one who would save the world. And at the same time that he's doing it, he's reaching down into an individual's lives and he's, he's saying this, you prayed for this? I care about you. I see you. And I'm going to offer you something that you've longed for in your heart for so long. And that's the God we serve. At the same time that he's doing something that affects the entire world so grand, so big. He's also doing something that affects you as an individual at the same time. And only God can do that. He saw Elizabeth's heart. He saw Zachariah's heart. And he met them as individuals. And they had a son. Let's keep going with the story. Verse 39, he says this. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of our Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who believes that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth's baby, John, knew that Jesus was near. If you remember back in verse 15 of this passage that we just read, it said that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. It wasn't after the fact. It was while he was even in there. And Mary walks into the room. Jesus is in Mary. And John, filled with the Holy Spirit, think of this. I, th this just hit me. and Just bear with me for a minute because it kind of caught me off guard. 
Think of this. Jesus, who is God, the Holy Spirit, who is God, had just been together in heaven. And now, Jesus, who is God, and the Holy Spirit, who is God, just met each other in Elizabeth's house. Think of that. Okay, you're with me. Some of you get what I'm saying. Our brains don't go there, people. But God was together in what he's doing, right? The Godhead as a whole, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We think of Jesus is coming. He's a little baby, going to be born in a major. Oh, that's such a cool thing. He's the Savior of the world. But think of this. The Godhead, God the Father who made the plan, God the Son who's fulfilling the plan, and the Holy Spirit who's empowering the plan, all met together and said, this is a good deal, we're doing this thing. And they met. The Son and the Holy Spirit came to the earth, and they met together and said, here we are, we're doing it, we're fulfilling the plan. You say, Tim, that's so simplistic. But that's what God does. That's what God does. And it amazes me how God works out his plan through us, through sinful creatures. And he works out his plan. And as they met in that room, they leapt together saying this, look, we're doing this for them. We're going to save them. That's why we came. It's an amazing thing. If you read that passage, you keep reading the passage, it says this, that Elizabeth wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. She, it says that after they arrived, filled with the Holy Spirit, she says. So it's the Holy Spirit who's doing that in John. It matters, people. God cares for the individual. Remember what I said about the miracle? Yes, it was a grand miracle, but it was also a miracle on a little, little scale for Elizabeth. For Mary, for Zachariah, for Joseph, for you, for me. Yeah, it was the world, but it was us. It was us as individuals. The Holy Spirit in John said, I'm here, I'm here. There's some similarities in both their births. Let me give them to you really quick. Both were unnatural and miraculous. Both God spoke through an angel so that all would hear and all would know who he's supposed to be. God spoke through an angel and gave the name of, of how they would be named. Their names were important. John meant that God is gracious. Jesus means that he's a savior. He'll save the world. Although both were miraculous events, neither of these these births were spectacular. They're amazing in that God shows up and he says, look, I'm going to change the course of history with these two individuals. One will prepare for the other. The other will save the entire world. God himself becomes man and saves the world. Amazing, amazing miracles. And yet, not spectacular at all in their births. Nobody knew. We always sing that the world knew and rejoiced. They didn't. Nobody knew. The shepherds only knew because they were curious because this band of angels in the sky they never saw before told them to go somewhere. And I'm sure they went because they were scared. Right? Think about it. You don't sit in the night sky and watch angels. Neither did they. And they're the people who shouldn't have heard anything. Nobody celebrated. 
It wasn't a big spectacular event. It really flew under the radar. Nobody knew what happened. Miraculous events by God, but unseen by mankind. Nobody knew, but both incredible roles. One would herald the coming of the other, and one would change the world completely. It says this about John in Luke chapter 1, verse 80. It says, The child grew up and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. John would fade from existence. Nobody knew he was there and start, until he started heralding, there's one coming who's greater than I. And John's very words were this before Jesus started his ministry. Look, don't look at me. I must decrease and he must increase. Jesus is the one that you've got to see. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm only heralding the great news that there's a Savior and he's come. Now I want us to stop right here for a moment. And I want us to close with this. I want us to understand that both Elizabeth and Zechariah had a response to the coming of their son. The same thing happened in both of their lives where God showed up and he said, look, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. But both had a different response to the voice of God and the understanding of what God was about to do. If you look at Luke chapter 1 verse 18, Zechariah responds this way. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Zechariah's response is often so much like ours. When God says or leads us in a direction and he wants us to do something or he wants to do something in our life, we're like, how in the world could that be, God? And often, like Zachariah, we think through the logical and we go, there's no way that that could happen. We're both too old. How in the world could you do that in our lives? And God goes, I'm way beyond the logical. I'm way beyond the natural. I don't function in your world. I don't function in your time. But so often our response is just like Zachariah. And you may be sitting here this morning and God may have been tapping on your shoulder for the last little while or on your heart. And maybe he's been tapping because you don't have a relationship with him yet. You haven't come to the point yet where you've accepted him as the, the, the payment for the sin in your life. And he's been knocking at your heart and you've been sitting there saying, how in the world could this be logical? How could one who comes and dies for me pay the price for my sin? And God's going, I don't work like that. I work in the supernatural and I've already paid the price. You just got to accept it. But you're like Zachariah and you're questioning what God did. Give up. Because the same thing that happened to Zachariah happens to you and I. Where the angel looks at him and says, look, I was sent from God. And the message that I have, it's true. You just got to believe it. And it's going to happen whether you believe it or not. I'm still the savior of the world. Have you been like Zachariah? Or have you been like Elizabeth? Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said, here's her words. The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away the disgrace among the people. The Lord 
has done this for me. Elizabeth's response from the very beginning wasn't logical. It wasn't questioning. It was simply saying, if I'm with child, if I'm going to have a baby, this is only God. It's only God. There's no other way that this could happen. You see, the coming of Jesus, the coming of a little baby wasn't to make a great Christmas story. The coming of John wasn't just to make the story broader and better. The coming of John was to herald the news that Jesus would be the savior of mankind and to prepare the hearts of mankind for the coming of a savior. And Jesus and John came for the benefit of all mankind to restore and to redeem us to a relationship with the one who created us. It was so that we could be forgiven, that we could be made right with our heavenly father. And John looks at Jesus and he says, look, see the lamb of God. And this morning I'm here to tell you the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah is see the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But this morning, you and I, we have to respond. And the question is, how will you respond? Will you respond like Zachariah and question? Or you will, will you respond like Elizabeth? This is the hand of God at work in my life. Now, if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ... You and I still need to respond the same way to the Father. At Christmas, it's not just the story of the coming of Christ. You and I still need to respond to Jesus Christ. We still need to allow our hearts to be humble before him and allow him to have control and allow him by the Spirit to work in our hearts and our lives. As believers, we can get jaded to all of it. We can live life and often our heart becomes hard to the working of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. Have you been responding to God like Zachariah? Or have you been responding to God like Elizabeth? God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope that is here because of him. Thank you for the part that John played Thank you for the part that Elizabeth and Zechariah played. God, I know you want to use us to be heralds, to be those who would exclaim the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Father, would you help our hearts to be soft to your Holy Spirit, to say yes to you, to be used by you, that the good news of Jesus Christ could be given to those that we know and love. In your name we pray, amen.